Hello everyone. Today I'm very pleased to introduce you to my dear friend Alison, who is the founder of the Marriaging Fashion brand. I've known Alison for over 10 years now, and uh, I remember the first time I met her, I was struck by her originality and free spirit. Alison is truly a global citizen who has lived in Australia, London, Shanghai. She's also a true fashion entrepreneur. She has studied business management at King's College and graduated from Central St. Martin's College and launched, launched her shoe brand in 2009. And now it's a fully fledged fashion brand from jewelry to gorgeous cashmere sets. So Alison, thank you very much for being here with us today. Could you please tell us how it all started? How did you build your business? Yeah, well, thank you for reaching out to me. I haven't been doing many interviews, to be honest. So this is quite a novelty. So I started, as you said, in Shanghai in 2009. Actually, it was a little bit before that, but uh, it took me some time to um, get the idea together and, and uh, sampling and so on. But I graduated from St. Martin's. I worked in a private equity company. And actually with them, I did a roadshow around Asia. And whilst I was in Shanghai, I saw that there was an opportunity and there was kind of a, a missing sector of kind of designer brands of footwear. So um, being an entrepreneur, I decided to leave my job, uh, leave London, my comfort zone, and I moved to Shanghai to start Mary Ching. And I actually didn't study footwear, but I saw the opportunity and I had, a, I had a great love of footwear. So it just seemed a natural uh, progression. And yeah, that's, that's craziness, how it all started. <laughs> and what, was, uh, what challenges did you face early on and how did you overcome them? Well, I have to say, so I, I definitely went out there to start a footwear, um, a luxury footwear brand, which I did and I sampled and I, I was very fortunate. My first collection was featured in China Vogue. But I think my, what I want to share is that you have to be flexible um, in the sense that you have to also follow the demand of your clients and the, and the marketplace. So at the time, I was pushing the shoes, but actually I also created slippers of cashmere and leather slippers and it wasn't it was more of a cultural decision in the sense that asia you wear slippers at home um, and you take off your shoes when you go into somebody's home so i started sampling these slippers and that's what really kind of took off at the beginning and i remember what it was quite a funny story so i i just sampled i think 10 pairs of leather slippers in Hainan, which was a neighboring a leather city town actually and I was at a dinner party that evening and there was, it was hosted by Pearl Lamb. So she had these fabulous dinners for 66 people. And one of the guests was actually the, um, the editor of Vanity Fair, LA. She was in town visiting and she heard that I was a designer. She said, she was sitting next to me. She goes, oh, I hear you're a shoe designer. I said, yes. And she said, I'd love to see that. I said, well, look, I don't want to disrupt the dinner, but at the entrance, I've got a bag of samples. She goes, oh my God, let, I have to see them. So what turned out, what, what was dinner turned out to be a champagne and slipper party and all the ladies came over trying on the slippers and I sold them all. So I was like, okay, I'm onto something. So with that money, I did a small production run and suddenly I had a hundred pairs or 200 pairs of slippers. And I had this intern at the time. I said, what, what the hell are we going to do with all these slippers? And she said, oh, well, interesting enough, this is how life is funny. She said, um, my father has a nautical shop in England and one day this Chinese man came in and he bought everything. So of course we wanted to know who, you know, who he was. Turns out the man was Eric Kwok, who's the owner of the Shangri-La Hotel. And she said, well, we've always kept in touch with him. 
why don't we reach out to him and see if he's interested in the slippers? So we reached out to him. He put us in touch with the director of rooms. And our first client was the Shangri-La selling our Mary Ching slippers. So my, my point of the story is how you have to, you know, be open to change and the market demands. Because I, I never went out thinking I'd design a slipper. And yet that was the thing that really pushed us forward. It's an excellent point you are making because uh, I always say to either students or emerging entrepreneurs or anyone who wants to start a fashion business, you need to, before you decide what kind of fashion brand you want or whether you want to be a fashion designer, you need to yes. understand and identify a clear need in the market and you need to be unique. These two things are incredibly important. I know they talk a lot about have a business plan, have business partners, but there are certain things that have to come first. And I love that you tell us this story. Yeah, I think you have to definitely, you have to have your own voice. Yes. And also what uh, stands out to me, how you turn opportunity, dinner turns into a, a selling opportunity. But I know because we've been friends for many years, you don't go to that dinner because you think this is going to turn into an opportunity. You no, are, absolutely not. <laughs> yes, you are very much yourself. And I know the kind of person you are. Your personality is very free. Uh, you don't push things, but you are very much open to opportunities at the same time and you follow through. Yes. And I think, I think we you know, Mary Ching itself, which is my middle name, is also a reflection of my upbringing being half Chinese, half British, and it's the tensions of opposites. And I, I really tried to show that in the brand. And in some ways, having very sexy high heels with cashmere slippers is the tension of opposites because you wouldn't necessarily pair them together, yet it's the yin and the yang, and it's the 24-hour needs of a woman. We go from our changing room, our bedroom, to going out, to work, to meet our girlfriends. And, you know, I think it's, it's that 24 hours, you know, and that, you know, it's an unusual mix. Absolutely. Did you have any turning point in your business? Can you share it with us? Well, I think this pandemic has definitely been a turning point. As I said previously, our main market is Asia and China, and that's why I founded the business. But due to the pandemic, our visas have been revoked or suspended. So by default, actually, we've been forced to launch here in the UK, which we've always wanted to come to, but it wasn't actually the plan was to really create a presence in China and then come to England. Whereas due to the pandemic, we're, we're starting here with the aim to create a bit of noise and then reflect it back to China. That's interesting because once again, when it comes to fashion entrepreneurship, you need to be flexible. If a change is happening yes. in the external environment, you need to adapt to that and you need to adapt very fast and very quickly. Um, Absolutely. And I think the pandemic's forced us all to, you know, kind of relook at things. And as I said, we've, we've made a big focus on our digital presence and focusing on our website. So this is the first time our website is really strong, interactive. I think it, it shows the voice of Mary Ching. And yeah, that, that we're really pushing our online presence. That's very interesting. How do you define Mariching? How do you define your brand? Uh, what does it stand for? Who is your target customer? Well, I think I, I think I touched upon it briefly. So Mariching is, well, we're creating the world of Mariching. So it's about the freedom. It's about cross culture. So it's a bit it's British with a twist of China, and it's 
being different and being colorful and being uh, it's very textured and it's it's a the world of so it's it's a lifestyle as well so it's not just about the products it, we're also trying to push like where you would wear it how you'd wear it and how do you feel wearing it I'm also quite curious about your creativity process because I know your brand is very creative you yourself are very very creative Could you tell us a little bit more about how the creativity process works and what inspires you in general? Well, the main inspiration is my clients. So a lot of them have been or have become friends. So I really look at their lifestyle, what what occasions they need shoes for or at this point accessories for. And I really take that in mind. And I mean, the, the creative process can be from, you know, visiting art fairs, art galleries, Um, it could be for museums and going and seeing, uh, you know, co- collections, but it can also just be, you know, walking down the street and, you know, seeing the styles of ladies and you, you kind of, you use all of that as your inspiration. And of course, yes, you go for, you go to trade fairs, you see the colors that are on trend and the materials and, you know, that of course plays part of it. But it really, for me, it boils down to the customer. And what about your suppliers and manufacturers? How do you source them? I'm sure uh, those who listen to us, there are people who want to start their own shoe brand. They will be curious to know one of the most challenging parts about starting a fashion business is sourcing. Yes, that's very true. I've been really fortunate. For me in China, it was always through recommendations and word of mouth. In Italy, where we produce our shoes, There's an Italian uh, shoe agency kind of where you can actually advertise what you're looking for. And I found this through the um, the fairs and it, it was really helpful because what you do is you actually you put an advert of kind of what you're looking for and then you you visit the factories and actually you, you're just going to have to trust your instincts. So you go and visit the factories and um, you see the quality. You start under asking, you know, what kind of minimums they do. And yeah, it's really getting out there and, and going door to door, visiting the factories. That's how you find them. Absolutely. This is actually a, a, a very good point you are making once again, because it's true fashion entrepreneurship. You have to go do the homework. I always say this. You have to do yes. your own homework. Visit the factories, visit the suppliers. Uh, you can just expect uh, for the shoes or the handbags or the dresses to arrive at the office. No, exactly. And it's hard work and it's, it's, yes. it's hard work to, de- to develop the, the relationship with your supplier and you have to maintain it. Uh, it's amazing. Exactly. Spot on. Once again, I talk about this as well because it's very important to maintain, to build and, and maintain this relationship. Yes. I mean, for my cashmere, we produce the cashmere slippers and loungewear in Mongolia. And I've had a relationship with them for over a decade. And I, I'm very fortunate that I've only had the one supplier and they've always delivered and we've maintained that friendship. Absolutely. It's the same for me with Nerikara. We have suppliers. We started 20 years ago. We use the same exact suppliers in our for our leather and metal accessories. Yeah. It's very important to me. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Yes, it's very important. And that's how you get to have a good quality brand as well. Exactly. Well, and then there's consistency in your brand, which is also important. Exactly, exactly. It reflects in the final product. What advice would you give to those who want to start their own fashion business? Don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, I, I, I suppose I, I have my three P's. I know, I think in marketing there's four P's, but I have three P's. So first you have to have passion. That's the, you know, utmost, you know, the, the, the basic foundation. Then you have to have perseverance and persistence. And I say that because it's not easy. And if it was easy, everybody would do it. So you've just got to keep at it, you know, and with that passion, you will. And that, that, that would be my advice. That's very true. I always say it's easy to start a fashion brand or, you know, it's very easy to start, but it's very difficult to keep going and to maintain a successful brand. Yes, exactly. And what was, what has been the biggest lesson for you in your career so far? Ooh, I don't know if I've, <laughs> not sure how to answer that. I suppose it, it, it's constant, you know, it's, it never really stops, you know, it's a constant challenge it's a constant delight um it's and it's also always evolving that's true and we know today the industry is even more competitive it's in my opinion at least it's even more difficult to create a successful fashion brand and uh, to differentiate themselves yes well also it's, it's so fast now you yes. know and the turnaround it's, it's hard to keep up how do you think uh, one can differentiate themselves today I suppose owning your, your voice, owning your, your territory, owning, you know, what you create and being authentic, I think is really important nowadays. Absolutely. I always use the word authenticity and I, I'm always like uh, trying to stop myself from saying the same thing again and again, but that's the truth. You have to be authentic. You have to know who you are and don't be afraid to express that. Exactly. And then own it you know like be proud of it yes do you have any just to ask you a little bit more personal now i i'm just curious uh, if you have any favorite fashion designers anyone that you use as a see as a role model well i mean i i, I love female designers such as vivian westwood of course everybody loves coco chanel um but you know these women they they changed they, they adapted for the time and they, they, they gave freedom to women. If you could trade places with a fashion designer from history, who would it be? Well, I, I had to think about this one. I decided on uh, Yves Saint Laurent during his Moroccan days and inspiration. So I would trade him for being in Morocco and being inspired by the, the gardens and the colors. And, you know, I think some of his best collections were designed in uh, Marrakesh. That's a beautiful answer. Thank you. And what is the future for Mary Ching as we are coming to the end of our interview? Before I ask my usual question that I ask to every single guest, I, I also am curious to find out what is the future for Mary Ching? World domination. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> um, no, I think, I think the, the next steps are, um, like I said, we focus on having a digital presence. So we're going to really try to push that. And then the, the second step will be finding a home to Mary Ching. So we're looking for a retail space, which I'm really excited about. Um, and then, you know, make a success of that and take it back to China. That's, that's really the goal. That's wonderful. And uh, my last question that I end every interview with, if you can go back in time and uh, have tea or coffee with your 18-year-old self, what yes. advice would you give her? Oh, goodness. <laughs> you know, I think what's really hard as an entrepreneur is um, to actually stop for a moment and just say, 
well done or to appreciate what you've achieved because as an entrepreneur you're always moving forward you're always thinking about the next step the next target the next collection the next you know it's always you know you you never it's very hard to pause and just and just appreciate where you are so I suppose it would be the advice of just pausing and it's okay to pat yourself on the shoulder and just say well done and well done Alison thank you so much uh... <laughs> Thank you so much uh, for the interview and thank you so much for being here with us.